This week on the show, we're joined by Pat Burke. Pat is the owner and founder of MBS CrossFit in Colorado. They've got two locations in Broomfield and Arvada. Uh, Pat, as you probably know, is also a six-times uh, CrossFit Games competitor. So we talk about how when Pat first opened up his affiliate in 2008, uh, we talk about what are the differences between opening that affiliate and then opening his second location in 2015. We talk about how Pat balances his role as a CrossFit Games athlete, affiliate owner, and coach, husband, father, all of those things. Uh, we, you know, It's something that us as affiliate owners know all too well, that, that there are a lot of things pulling our time, and it's hard to find focus. And you'll see this is a theme that Pat and I always come back around to, is finding what is the most important thing that we need to focus on. It's I think we use that phrase, most important thing, over and over and over again. And Pat really talks about how this is how he started every single business that he's ever started, is find one client and help that one client, and then find two, and then find three. But it always comes down to helping solve the problem of one person first. So in entrepreneurship, we have a million things that are pulling our uh pulling our attention, pulling our time, and how do we find that one most important thing to focus on? That's what this episode is all about. As a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Icon Athlete. Go to iconathlete.com slash 321go to learn more about the different offerings that Chris Spieler has for affiliates in their programming. I use a programming myself in my gym, and we've had uh, incredible results with it, and I couldn't be happier. So again, iconathlete.com slash 321go. In addition to that, we will have our regular Q&A at the end of this episode. It's our M3 Mastermind Group's Q&A. This week, we will be answering the question, should I and how do I raise prices without losing members? So if you're considering a price hike uh, or raising your rates, Stay tuned till after the show, and we'll get that question answered. Okay, hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Three Two One Go Podcast. We are very lucky to be joined by Mr. Pat Burke. Uh, Pat, thanks for making the time to come on the show, my man. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Pat, if you guys don't know, Pat is a, a six-time games uh, qualifier. He owns MBS CrossFit. They have two locations in Broomfield and Arvada, and we were just talking off the air. Um, Pat's got uh, also has a new project going on right now uh, with a company called the False Grips. So we'll, we'll definitely dig into all that. But Pat, it sounds like you are a busy dude right now. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose <laughs> you can say that. I I kind of don't like to admit it, you know, <laughs> but I do stay. My day stays full, I guess. <laughs> do you, Pat? Do you do that thing where if you've got like just a free minute in the day? Do you are you able to kind of relax in that moment, or is it do you get antsy when you don't have a project going on? Um, I, it's probably all sorts of ways that I react to it. Um, I uh, I I like to say that I can enjoy a free moment when I get them, and um, 
you know, we, we have a great location where we get mountain views right outside the back door of our gym. And, um, I try to get out there and do my warm ups and workouts out there. And, uh, so that I can take it in and use that, that stillness and whatnot to kind of bring myself down. Um, but at the same time, yeah, sometimes I'll get a little anxious about getting stuff done. I like it. So speaking of which, I was looking at some of the photos on your website. And do you have like an airstrip in your in your backyard of one of your gyms? Yeah, so our original location in Broomfield is actually in an airport hangar. Um, it's uh, about fourteen thousand square foot total, so it's it's kind of uh, multiple air hangers, airport hangers, and there used to be airplanes in there before we got in there. And yeah, we're on a live airport. It's uh, Rocky Mountain Metro Airport, and so there's planes taking off. We uh, we'll get to see some jets occasionally, Osprey, you know, C-130s, all kinds of stuff. Good times, man. That sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty unique. Uh, so, Pat, I want to hear the story of MBS, but let's start here. What is uh, does MBS stand for? Anything? Yeah, MBS stands for Mind, Body, Soul. Um, and that came from my time in the Marine Corps. So I did five years in the Marine Corps. And one of my primary jobs well, I did, what, that I did in the Marine Corps was I taught the martial arts program. And they had um, this creed or, or I don't know what you call it, but basically mental character and physical development. So as a, a MICMAP, Marine Corps martial arts instructor, I uh, taught those disciplines, and um, I enjoyed that. You know, I I, I, and I just took that with me, and when I got into the whole CrossFit thing, I, I wanted to bring that, that same mentality and mindset of kind of training your body and mind and soul all at the same time. And so um, mind by soul is kind of long, so MBS is a bit shorter to say. <laughs> so went I with like, that. I like that, Pat. Um, I I want to dig into that a little bit more here in a second, but I want you to take us back to, um, well, first, let's start here. When did you first open your first MBS location? So we affiliated in March of 2008, and so kind of just over nine years at this point. And um, the second location was in, um, ooh, we're at a couple years. We're April of, what is this year, 17, 16. So it would be April 15, I think. So we're just over two years. Okay. Uh, so this is an interesting discussion. So I've had quite a few affiliate owners on the show that, that were some of those original uh, affiliates in 2007, 2008. And it's interesting. Most of them did kind of also open another location in the last couple of years. So one thing I always like to ask people in this camp is, um, what what was different when you opened affiliate number one versus affiliate number two? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, so much about the landscape was different. You know, what CrossFit was uh, to me personally and what it was, you know, as the CrossFit community. Um you know, I, I'm always telling the story about how when I started MBS, the original location, that I didn't anticipate it even working. Um, <laughs> you kind of have to even go back a little bit further. So I was previously married and living in California, and I was in the Marine Corps, and I kind of had everything, and then and then everything kind of went away. We um, 
in my previous marriage, I had a house that went into foreclosure and then that, that marriage didn't work out so well. And, um, kind of hit a rock bottom point in my life. You know, I was in the Marine Corps and had a great job and I got out and kind of had nothing. And so I just started putting pieces back together. I, I signed up for school using my GI bill and, um, I had been doing CrossFit, uh, for a couple years at that point, somewhat intermittently, but more and more. So getting more into it. And it was like the one constant thing in my life. And so I just started gravitating towards that. And, um, I guess on one level, I was not an entrepreneur at all. I don't even know what that that was not in my vocabulary. But um, but I I came up to this Broomfield town that I'd never been to before, and there was not a gym that I saw myself doing CrossFit at. And so I made MBS the original location for me and my girlfriend, um, who is now my wife. So really, I just kind of like what is Tim Ferriss says, you know, he does a lot of his things, you know, just tickling his own or <laughs> scratching his own itch. That's yep. probably better. Uh-huh. Um, that's in, in a lot of ways. That's all it was is I, I wanted a better gym for myself, a place to train um, and just to explore what I had been, um, you know, kind of where I've been finding, uh, you know, uh, stability and presence and, and awareness, you know, and, in my life. So that's how it started. It started with 800 square feet and, uh, a month to month, um, sort of situation on the lease, um, some Craigslist equipment that, and all of which I really, I can't stress it enough. I did not anticipate it working. I didn't think beyond the next month, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, really just getting my next workout was all, <laughs> and then getting some buddies involved. And that, that is how it started. And I, I'm sure a lot of affiliates can, relate to that mm-hmm. where they just uh, maybe started in their garage so pat were you were you stationed at, at 29 palms at this time so no, i was stationed out in um california in um, san diego okay yep yep miramar and so that was 2005 i got out late 2005 and then i came back to colorado in 2007 gotcha. and so okay. i was in colorado for a year and um and then I f- affiliated in March 2008. All right. So, um, what what originally brought you out to Colorado? Uh, kind of the whole house foreclosing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, like just things not going right out in California, mm-hmm. not feeling right, and so we moved back to Colorado, and and it, it there there was kind of like a low part of you know my life, like kind of had everything then one by one lost everything and i mean i look back to that and it's you know how those low points in your life can be bad or good and it's it it strengthened me and and it brought me back up so frame that a little bit more for us pat i think that um our listenership may have experienced that in the past uh maybe they might be going through that right now but it it sounds to me like you used this as a i mean as far as like stoic philosophy goes, this is pretty much it in a nutshell. Like, take adversity, take low points, learn from them, and use that to motivate you. And that kind of sounds like what you did with uh, founding MBS. But how would you help somebody that's maybe in this situation right now, going through a low point, 
they own an affiliate, they're kind of lost at what to do. How did you use that to, to motivate you? Well, the cool thing about when you have really nothing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> next to your, your heartbeat, you know, um, I mean, no job, no school, you're not, you know what I mean? You have like, you have your family, okay? But like for you and yourself, you're, you're 20, what was I, 23, four, somewhere in there. I mean, when you have nothing, um, it's all up. So, um, then when you get one thing and for me, like I'm saying that was CrossFit, you can just put everything that you have, every amount of energy and focus into that one thing. And so that's kind of, that's what I, that's what it was. I, I mean, I didn't have social media. I didn't, wasn't trying to be anything other than a CrossFit coach. Um, this was a time when there wasn't the CrossFit games. There was no like me trying to aspire to be anything more. It was me trying to be this one exact thing. And that's a coach in something that I just started to really enjoy and love and just kind of found myself passionate about doing myself. Um, but I wanted to share that one thing with other people. And so, yeah, it had nothing. It was really, it was really low. It was sad. It was hard times for sure. Um, but then, you know, then you only have one thing. And so then you can just use that and build yourself on that. And that's, that's kind of what I, what I did right there. Um, I, and just, yeah. It's, it's, so it's funny you say that because I was just actually a, a guy that's a member of my gym just recently left his job to start his own company. And for a long time, he was talking to me about, about how nervous it makes him. And, and, and that was sort of my advice to him. I was like, the minute you quit your job, you have one thing to focus on. And you'll be hyper-focused. You'll have a ton of energy around that one thing. And you'll be successful because you're forcing yourself to focus. And it sounds like that was your experience um, in 2007, 2008. Was that just hyper-focus? Yeah. You know, you wouldn't. I wouldn't put myself, you know, knowingly put myself back into that situation, right? <laughs> like from where I'm at right now, right? Or maybe a lot of people like having a job, like, because it's a scary, it's it's a super scary situation. Lose your house, lose your job. You're like, you know, all of a sudden you have nothing, you know? Um, so I, <laughs> but if you do find yourself or yeah, if you get to a point where the job is so bad, you know, or whatever, and you're going to make that big, big decision, um, yeah, it's a pretty, you know, and with kids or, you know, family and stuff, other obligations, it would be hard because if you got a house, that's one thing, you know, I'm talking, I didn't have anything. So only one thing was CrossFit coach. So <laughs> it, it's hard to do that thing. Like, let's say, oh yeah, I'm going to quit my job, but I still have a house. I have a car payment and I have kids. Well, nope, that's four things. You know, what I mean? <laughs> that's different. That's, so. uh, that's great perspective. Pat. Now, so you talked about this time where you had this like month-to-month -month lease, 800 square feet, Craigslist, Craigslist equipment, and now, so like location two, I, you know, I'm guessing it's you're signing probably like a five-year deal. You're going to be fully staffed. You're you can go on the internet and order all of your equipment and have it there in a few days, kind of thing. What you know, other than those kind of the the obvious, the industry has changed. What what was different for you? opening location two versus location one? You know, honestly, I I would like to say, like, not a lot. And that was kind of what I was going for. Um, 
I wanted it to be so check this out. I opened MBS one for me and my girlfriend. MBS two, I opened literally like in a lot of ways for like three or four people mm. that were like, you know, super awesome people. You know what I mean? They were traveling across town to go um, to our first location and they were great people and you know, they told it, it probably it was over a course of like two years that they were members and and we just kind of got close to them. They were they were, you know, just super valuable members of the community, giving it, you know, giving a lot into the community. And they mentioned it, you know, you should open a gym over here. You should open a gym over here, you know. And so one time, uh huh, nod your head. OK, you know, after like maybe the dozen time of them saying it, it's like, all right, well, maybe I should at least check this out. So we. We started looking and it took a year before it actually ever even happened. But when, my, when I opened that, that gym, it was in the exact same setting. It was, I opened MBS One for me and Janelle to have a better place to work out, more convenient, you know what I mean? All of those things that make it possible. And then I opened MBS Two with the same mentality, you know? And so, and actually we're partners in that second gym with those people. And it was just a very, so similar sort of thing, you know? And that's it. That's a, that point right there about, you know, do like, it's easy to get caught up and like get caught up in the numbers and, and all, all the other aspects of opening a business, but you got to focus on, it's easier to focus on like one kind of the most important thing. Mm. And so in the case of MBS one, the most important thing was <laughs> making my spot. And then MBS two was making a spot for just a few people. And I focused on that and that grew from there. It is. Oh man, that is so funny that you say that. I just have had been having conversations with uh, a colleague over the last couple weeks about, you know, uh, the CrossFit space sort of being commoditized, right? Like, you know, it's it's no longer just a guy or gal opening a gym for their friends. Let's grow it, create a quality product. But this idea of like now getting these private equity investors involved and opening up these multi multi million dollar locations, and and kind of seeing some of these large multi million dollar investment opportunities sort of flounder. And I've been trying to pinpoint, like, what is it? I mean, they've got, like, you know, hardcore business people running it. They've got the money behind it. They've got super nice facilities, great coaches, like, celebrity personalities around the the gym. But, like, it just – they don't seem to be, like, profitable, healthy businesses. And I think that's because that's it. It's that lack of – They're missing the one thing. Yes. The one most important, the centerpiece, which is the coach – coaching the athlete you know <laughs> not the not 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 even a number it can't be a number like i'm gonna coach 100 it's like i'm coaching you mm. you know what i mean you got to go find that number one first the number one in broomfield was pat burke <laughs> and the number one was heather young and val green like i know these people like i'm coaching them and that's i mean you you start with that center and then you fill everything else in and I think, I think Pat, that's the reason you see a lot of people freaked out by like uh, Gold's Fit, for example. Like the, you've uh, have you heard of like the Gold's Gym knockoff yeah. CrossFit oh, yeah. thing? And it's like, I don't think we as affiliate owners should be worrying about Gold's Fit because they don't get that. 
they think, oh, if we have barbells that spin and group classes, we will be able to replicate the success of CrossFit. And it's not that. It's not thrusters. And it's not thrusters in group classes. It is what you just said, Pat. Yeah, to a degree, you know, I would I would agree with it for a bit, but we can't assume that there's not a Gold's Fit instructor that doesn't have that heart and soul and that's going to run that baby, you know. So I think yeah. we should, as affiliate owners, pay attention and be on our toes and use it as you know, um, as fire, <laughs> you know, light light a fire underneath our butts to keep us pushing forward and being better. But um, yeah, in a large way, you know, I've I've seen a, a lot of these those setups around here and Mm -hmm. they are going to fail because they're missing that piece. Um, I don't want that though. You know, I don't want them to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I think the more, the better personally. I, I, I could not agree more. Um, I always use the example of like, there's a reason that when somebody opens a bar, they open a bar around a bunch of other successful bars, (laughs) (laughs) not because of competition, but the more, you know what I mean? The more people you have going to bars, the more people you have going to bars. And hopefully we become that, for uh, fitness, you know, at the end of the day, 5% of the population participates in regular exercise. There's plenty yeah. of people that are on the couch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. So, Pat, I want to go back to your story. Sorry, we just kind of like got up. That was a great little tangent, though. I really like we, yeah, I, no. I felt us both getting pretty fired up. But um, um, I want to go back to your story. You are a, correct me if I'm wrong, six-time uh, CrossFit Games competitor correct yep that i assume felt like a full-time job in and of itself especially as the sport has evolved uh how did you balance that that life of athlete coach business owner well that that is the challenge (laughs) you know as you get more things on your plate um it's you can only have so many things, you know, so many. We were just talking about one important thing and you need that to start a business and to create something um, with uh, with the games, especially nowadays, more so, you know, as the sport progressed, you know, it training for it and being able to qualify to that higher level it needs to be uh, a very high priority, you know? So if you got the whole plate, you know, if I'm teaching a new member how to eat, you know, this much protein, this much carbs, this much fat, you know, and showing the picture size, you know what I mean? Same thing. you like, you have your life and you have all of these things on the plate. And um, nowadays to, to compete at a high level, I mean, it needs to be taken up the majority of your plate. I mean, it's just, it is a... You, you'll call it a full-time job. I mean, it's, you know, from early, first thing in the morning to going to bed at night, it's, and, and the sleep that you're getting, it's all for the training. And, um, so how I approached balancing it, well, I mean, you cut down on as much, I mean, this is kind of a funny thing. Like when I talk to people about training, like, how do you do it? In all honesty, um, it begins way back. So let's say like July, August, you know, post games when that happens, like July, August, September ish, you get a few months there of downtime, but somewhere around September, October, November, you need to start thinking about the games, right. And how the training is going to look. I always, the, (laughs) the most challenging part 
is organizing everything, my life, you know, so it would be like, all right, first I got to talk to my wife. All right, Janelle, can I train for the games, right? <laughs> get, get the, uh, get the permission slip on, on doing it this year. And then, you know, then comes the gym, like setting up the gym and just, all right, do I have everything delegated out that I can get delegated out? Um, so that things don't slip between the cracks while I'm gone training. I mean, I mean, I'm not technically gone. I'm in the gym every day, but I'm not going to be focusing on following up with a, a drop in or, or, um, you know, a new member or, you know, replying immediately to an email or, you know, this, those sort of things. So do I have things in place where all of those things can get taken care of or as many as possible? I also talk with my staff, like the, the, especially like the last few years that I competed, you know, I, I get my staff on board and say, Hey guys, I, I'm going to do this. Um, there's going to be times where I'm just, I'm not communicating as frequently as I usually do with you guys, you know, trainer meetings, stuff like that might be put on, you know, <laughs> put on the back burner. Um, but I, I'm hoping to get your guys support. Um, hopefully you guys can jump in on training sessions with me. Um, so I do all those things, kind of organize that plate, right? You know, I make this portion bigger and the other portions I downsize. I, so I've got my family, I got my wife's support, I've got the gym support and I've got things delegated out as needed. And, um, you know, and then at some point you just kind of, you got to get going with it and you start training and, and if fires happen, you, you try to put them out and address them as necessary. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge, we, especially when you get, you know, two gyms and mm. two kids and, you know, other things going on, you know, and then you got to, like, stay calm <laughs> in between it all, you know. Um, so. so I've got I got a lot of questions for you on this front. Um, first <laughs> off, I love the analogy of organizing your plate. I think that's just a generally great way to think about where you're putting your effort. I I. I, I talk to a lot of business owners, affiliate owners especially, and there's a feeling of like I get to the end of my day, I get to the end of my week, and I'm almost like, man, what the heck did I accomplish? Like what did I actually get done? And there's a feeling of, you know what I mean, just constantly reacting to things. But I like this idea of having your plate. You know, let's say you work 12 hours a day. Whack that 12 hours up into chunks of time dedicated to things. So – a, I think that's a really cool way to think about time efficiency. Um, but uh, more specifically, Pat, I, I'm curious as to, as somebody that um, competed in the games and you've got these members that look to you as an example, um, you know, I, I assume that you don't advocate that uh, all of your clients train the way that you trained. And um, and how do you communicate the difference between sport and fitness to the the members at MBS? Um, yeah, no, I I don't uh, <laughs> go around saying that everybody needs to train for the games. Um, I guess you know a lot of it just comes with telling the story. Yeah. You know, uh, I, all of the members that I, I that I'm around most, you know. They kind of know my story. I mean, I, I put up a blog post and I tell them the story about how I started and it started as nothing. I, I kind of tell them the whole story too, you know, my story along with the CrossFit story and how it's just so cool. You know, we're still at the beginning of the sport and they're there. Um, so I guess through that, they see that, you know, I, I'm 
I'm pursuing it because I enjoy it and they don't have to do it to that level. You know, this is, um, my profession and I enjoy the heck out of competing. Um, and it's, it, it, it's totally open to them to do, you know, through the open that we offer. And, um, but, uh, at the same time, it takes a lot of time and commitment you know, and so through blog posts and so we have like a closed group page and I do a lot of communicating with our members through there in addition, obviously, to when I'm coaching classes and whatnot. Um, so I, I, I like to stress just, you know, focus on your movement, focus on your practice and why you're, you're here and doing it, your why. Um, and if, if you do want to compete, you can do that too. And then I'm here for you. We're here for you. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Just constant communication, you know, telling the big picture story. I think that that is just common best practice with anything is um, being in regular sort of systematic communication with your members, um, sharing that story. Um, so MBS, mind, body, soul. I, so this is something I think the magic, not necessarily magic, but I think the sort of strategic advantage in what we do is that we – sort of introduce people to difficult things, right? Like uh, uh, like hard workouts, you know? And it, it's weird to me that somebody can get into a career, an adult can get into a career and at like 32, 33 years old, sort of coast their way into retirement in a pretty easy existence. You know what I mean? You get to like middle management, like... Life can be pretty chill, and you can pretty much go your entire life without really being uncomfortable or trying anything new. And here, all of a sudden, this like exercise routine comes around, and it's like, hey, we're going to introduce adults to difficult things and show them that they can do them and that they'll be okay on the other side of that workout. And I think that is sort of the interesting thing about what we do. And it sounds to me that your philosophy is sort of rooted in this idea as well. So, Pat, talk us through how do you make this mind, body, soul, this connection uh, a part of your culture there at MBS? Ooh, man, I almost feel like I'm getting called out because <laughs> <laughs> I know I I think it's it's good practice. It, you're exactly right. I I, mean, I love I love the concept um, of just challenging yourself, like always asking yourself. I mean, I do it in my personal life as well as my fitness life, my gym life. And I'm just always asking myself, is this the best that I can do? You know, can I do better? And just challenging it, right? Um, But uh, I I know I'm always wishing and hoping and and desiring, I guess, to do that end of thing, to make it more apparent. Mm But I guess, you know, um, well, yeah, we do offer challenging workouts and challenging movements and take people from not, you know, being exposed to these movements and workouts to being challenged. And we support them and we congratulate them when they complete them. So, you know, and we become friends with them. Um, Mm. And I guess that's kind of – and we educate them. You know what I mean? We we try to bring everything that we can. Um, So the physical piece is obviously just the workouts and workout instruction, movement instruction. And then, you know, the – the care, I don't know, just being good doggone people, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, 
uh, that's kind of like the character spiritual piece and then and then the whole knowledge piece is just inserting yeah you know how you know how like um everybody wants long sweaty workouts all the time yep yep and as a programmer what you have to do is you have to sneak in the strength stuff right you have to be sneaky about it well <laughs> kind of we got to be sneaky about teaching them fitness teaching them new things you know so like today on the rower um we rode a 2k it was a 2k row so what i did today is i made them row blind without the monitor so it was like hey guys we're gonna row 2k um you know but we're gonna do it blind and so the sneaky thing there that i did was that they instead of having the usual monitor to to you know measure their progress and stuff is i took that away so they had to like internally um kind of measure their progress so i'm i'm kind of teaching them how to be fit you know what i mean um instead of just like <laughs> that what i was using today as an analogy is like the whole give a man a fish feed him for a day teach a man a fish you know so i think like teaching people fitness is um is kind of that that mental part it's um i love that perspective i love that the exercise that you did with the rower because it's this weird thing i mean you've got let's say you've got uh 12 people in a class right in that class you're gonna have somebody that is like day five athlete and then you're gonna have like year five athlete in in that space and everything in between and so it becomes the role of the of the gym, of the programmer, of the coach, to sort of get everybody in that room heading in the same direction, regardless of sort of their current motivational state, right? Like you're going to have somebody that believes, oh, I need to do Cindy every day to get fit. Uh, you're going to have a girl that believes, oh, if I touch a barbell, I'm going to turn into like Dmitry Klokov in three days, and that's what I'm going to look like. And then you've got, you know, on the other end of that, you've got a guy that's been with you for 10 years, let's say, and he's like, whatever coach says, I'm completely like surrendering to the process. That's a wide range of people in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. So that what I wrote on the board, instead of writing 2K row for the workout, I wrote... I wrote the stimulus, the description of the stimulus. Like, so I wrote, um, Hey guys, we are going to row. <laughs> Literally it's written on the board over there. Um, row seven to 10 minutes at a 75 to 85%, um, you know, level of perceived, you know, exertion. So for seven to 10 minutes, I want you to sit on the rower and you're going to row that and you're just going to focus on your stroke. I did, however, give the option to a couple guys who have been here a long time. I said, Hey, if you really want to row the 2k and like beat a previous time, you can do that. Um, but for everybody else, I wanted to give them this, this drill of kind of internally monitoring themselves and focusing on the stroke, um, and not getting all, you know, crazy. So what I did is I hop, I, uh, I turned their monitor down with a minute remaining, um, so that they can kind of finish out and see where they finished. I, I like that a lot. So. I think that, you know, we, we briefly talked about sort of competition and other, you know, like business competitors, other fitness programs that are sort of threatening, um, the, the affiliates, you know, that are threatening affiliates. I believe that, uh, our ability to provide education and context to the program that we do is is one of our strategic advantages. I don't think that 
um, you know, varied stimulus is a conversation that's happening in many other group exercise environments. Um, and, you know, and I think that when you yeah. when you teach people about how their body works and different stimulus and adaptation, it's it's clear that it's it's uh, that the affiliate that is doing that is providing a superior product, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's that's the difference maker there. Um all right, so so Pat, uh as if you didn't have enough on your plate right now, um you've got another project that that you're working on currently and I want to kind of talk about um you know how you came about doing this, what need you saw in the market. But I'm talking about uh the false scripts. Explain to us what what the false scripts are. Yeah, so kind of going back again, I made MBS for myself and the deuce, you know, we created for a few members. Well, I was coaching last year. Um, I was out a year of the open due to a hip surgery. So I was just <laughs> super on the floor, always involved. And I, I had a little muscle up thing going right before the open. And I had a handful of uh, teenagers I was coaching on one night. And um, I um, was teaching this girl in particular, the muscle up and trying to get her to kip up there. And we just totally wanted her muscle up. And it was just like this moment of like, you know what? I am sick and tired of how difficult this muscle up is. Um, and um, I, as a coach, I want to teach everybody the false grip, the strict muscle up. I want an athlete to show me that they can, can under their own control, pull themselves so- up, transfer over and do a nice strong dip. And then from there, then, hey, yeah, let's let's learn to kip. Let's apply some more force and power and let's do multiple uh, pull ups and do that kipping muscle up. Um, so I, as I was standing underneath the rings and trying to get this girl to hold false grip, actually, I think we were on low, low rings at this point, but just trying to show her how to do this false grip maneuver where you put your wrists on top of the rings and hold it with your body weight. She kept on slipping out. And, um, and I was like, this is not a problem that uh, this was the first time, yeah. right? This yeah. is always, it's just always, it's people complain about it and, <laughs> and they're always falling out and then she rips her hands. So super frustrating. Well, I was thinking if, if this person could have more of a platform on the rings and su- get some support in holding that false grip, more surface area and have a more comfortable grip rather than that ring being on the bone, that would be pretty ideal, right? Mm-hmm. And if I could, as a gym owner, I already have 18 rings hanging from the ceiling. If I could just clip something onto my existing rings and then utilize it on low rings and then maybe clip it on the high rings and utilize it there and then clip it off, then I, that's the most versatile you know, flexible sort of situation. So the false grips are a convenient um, uh, insert that clip on and off the rings that provide a platform for the hand in maintaining the false grip. Um, they also actually just feel they kind of neutralize the wrist in a dip sort of, you know, mm-hmm. position. And so they make the rings a lot more comfortable. So you end up with an athlete that is sitting here doing the drills, holding the false grip better, getting more engagement on the forearms, the, mm-hmm. you know, the triceps, the lats and whatnot while they're doing the drills. Um, and they're not being frustrated by getting their skin torn on their wrist. And so they're going to drill longer. They're going to drill better. And, uh, you know, the idea is that they will would then, <laughs> assuming they're doing the drills more often, they're going to get the muscle up. I mean, that's what the problem is. Is highly is that people don't have muscle ups because they don't they don't practice enough. Mm-hmm. They do it mm-hmm. once every month. They get on the rings and just start swinging their bodies up there. <laughs> so yeah, that's the product. Um, 
14, we're going on like 15 months now. That's kind of when the product idea originated and through dozens of different prototypes and you know it's a it's a moldable uh, it's a molded sorry rubber that um again it just clips and seats onto the rings it has a band attachment so you can scale um the different levels and do various uh ring dips are awesome like as a as a coach one of the most uh, butchered movements in a gym i think you know can you know with the shoulder is like dips oh, ring yeah. dips yep. you know they're just they're jammed up into the ears and they're not locking out and you're like do it like this you know and um but you can do uh banded dips on them um so yeah we're we're six weeks into kind of getting this product out we we finally have the finished product and um it's been a blast like working with dips and it's such fun movements you know taking people that have been maybe um hesitant uh on the rings you know seeing them thrive and you know feel a lot more comfortable uh do ring dips and muscle up progressions and i mean our our gym goes crazy the false grips are always hanging on our gym rings so that's really cool pat how um (laughs) so on instagram how do we find false grips yeah so it's uh just at false grips f you know false f-a-l-s-e grips and if any of the coaches or gym owners listening yeah. to this uh, would like to order some, uh, what is the best way to do that? So absolutely email me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like this is kind of my baby right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm just loving like having the conversation with coaches um, about how to use it and what you know. I just want to share what I've experienced so far in the application of it. So absolutely email me at Patrick at FallScripts.com. Um, I'm just I, I want to talk to everybody about them and and tell them how they work, you know, how they how we've been using them and and some of like the because I, I, I we do have a website fallscripts.com, but um you know it's so busy you yeah. know trying to get all the videos and stuff and I just feel like like ten minute conversation or, or get a little email thing going back and forth with gym owners if they're interested in in getting them in their gym um I'd just love to to talk with them so probably emails the best sweet I like. You know what, Pat? I, what I like about this is I I really enjoy the stuff that is. One thing I always talk about and teach is like, hey, just do things that are like one percent better. You know what I mean? Don't completely reinvent your product or your gym or your programming. Like, just find little details that make you just one percent better each week. And what I like about the false grips idea is that like, it's not you're not buying, you know thousands and thousands of dollars of new equipment. You're taking existing equipment, making it 1% better, and giving your members access to these movements. I, I love that kind of stuff. I love those types of solutions for things because they're just simple and they're solving a problem and they can be used with something that every gym already has today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and... I- just if I can reemphasize Please. the point, if it's helpful at all to anybody else, it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I want to do this thing. So again, like that was one person. Kaylee is that one person that I was coaching, and you know, and it just really started with focus. I built a prototype for her, you know, for that one person, and then I tested it with Ravel, and then I tested it with Eric, and then I tested, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it only grew from there, and it, like, I, I don't know. I just think that that's like. Focus on that one, you know, the one person that you're helping, and then you can um, 
and the better you do that, then then it's scalable. If it if it actually or is it? You know what I mean? Um, if it actually works. So focus on fixing one person, um, and then and then you build it out and worry about the other details. So it's been it's been a, it's been 15 months of watching this thing slowly, you know, work and work and continue to work. And now it's in our gym and yeah, and now we're selling it. It's, it's pretty cool. That's a, that's so, a really cool yeah. story. I love, I love your ability to focus on that one thing. I like that. That's been the theme of this episode is that focus on one person. What's their problem? How can I help them help that one person? And then if you find that there are five people who have the same problem. Okay, now help those five people. And then now maybe there's 500 people. Then there's 5,000 people. But the focus is on the single problem solved for the single person. And then it grows from there. Absolutely. Um, cool. What a, uh, what a cool way to kind of bring this entire episode together, Pat. Um, so again, uh, at Patrick Burke uh, on Instagram, at False Grips on Instagram, you can, if gym owners, if you're interested in learning more about False Grips, uh, Pat, I assume you'll you'll email with gym owners, Patrick at FalseGrips.com. Um, you know, hop on a quick call with them if they're interested in integrating this into their programming. I'm sure you've got a ton of tips and things like that on how to use the product. Yep. All right. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Pat, this was a great conversation. Uh, we should do it again uh, sometime soon because I think you've got a, a lot of really cool perspective. I love the the focus that you have. Um, and I just kind of see see some really cool things going on going on with your gym and, and with false grips. So, uh, Pat, thanks so much for your time, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me on and <laughs> talking for a bit. All right, it was, brother. It was good. Okay, well, um, yeah, so Pat, enjoy the, the rest of your week, and uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. All right, sounds good. Have a good day. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of 321GO Podcast. As promised, every week we're going to take a question that comes up either from our listeners. Listeners, if you have questions, shoot me an email, matt at 321goproject.com. That's matt. M-A-T-T at 321goproject.com, and we will get it answered in one of the episodes. Uh, anytime I get a question, uh, I look to our M3 groups. So M3 stands for uh, Momentum Mastermind Groups, and these are groups of five to six gym owners and one moderator that is also an affiliate owner, and this is a place where Gym owners that are kind of at a similar stage in their business can come together, have some accountability, have a safe place to ask questions, to be vulnerable with one another. Uh, so if you're interested in this, 321goproject.com slash M3. There is an extensive application project um, process to get accepted into a group, but that's just so that we can maintain the integrity of these M3 groups. So this week's uh, question brought to you by M3 Mastermind Groups. Should I and how do I raise prices without losing members? So this is a really common theme. Uh, I, I was asked the other day by somebody considering opening a CrossFit affiliate, uh, how long until I break even? And this is always a, a tough question to ask because there are sort of two break-even points as a as any business has experienced, any small business has experienced that there's kind of 
two different break-even points, potentially three different. Um, but let's just start with the two break-even points. Uh, you know, the first break-even point is I, you know, let's say I've got a loan on my equipment. I'm covering that loan, I'm covering my lease, and I'm covering utilities, insurance, and I'm paying for my CrossFit affiliate fees. So there's that sort of break-even, and I found that most gyms can hit that break-even in the first six months. I mean, really, you get about 40 or 50 members, and you can hit that break-even. So oftentimes what happens is affiliate owners will set their membership rates at a place that has them hitting that break-even. So they hit that break-even, they feel good, they're like, hey, the business is paying my rent, I'm no longer putting stuff on my credit card, I'm you know, paying for toilet paper and utilities, and I'm my business is breaking even, that's awesome. Well, about a year into that, you realize, I'm not paying myself, I'm bartering for coaching, I am not paying my coaches a, a decent wage, I don't have health care. I have no plans for health care for my employees. I don't have a retirement plan. All of these things start to creep up, and you realize that being wearing every hat in your business has sort of allowed you to, uh, I call it artificial break-even. You've sort of artificially uh, reached this point to where you're sustainable but it's not sustainable for 10 years. Just because you're covering your rent and basic expenses does not mean that you're actually breaking even. Uh, breaking even means that you can coach as much as you want to coach. You can step away. You can go on vacation. You can have a family. You can just live a reasonable, sustainable lifestyle that anybody who has a job in any company can live. So we oftentimes come up against the reality of, wow, I set my rates too low, that this is not sustainable, um, that my value proposition was maybe to compete on price, not compete on quality of service. And this is a really common thing that uh, affiliate owners experience. Now, I just recently, this is kind of a timely question, I recently just went through this experience in my gym where um, I, I raised rates and, you know, even things out across the board, you know, taking away grandfather discounts and things like that. Um, so uh, unanimously, the response was uh, great. Hey, great. Happy, you know, happy to pay 10 or 15 bucks extra a month. I get it. Your expenses go up and, uh, you know, we're super happy here. That was the unanimous uh, response. So Oftentimes, we're afraid to pull the trigger on this thing because we're afraid that we're going to lose members. Now, if you are providing a service that is worthy of a rate increase, you will have no issues whatsoever. Now, if you don't feel confident enough in the quality of service that you're providing to justify increasing your rates to a more sustainable revenue model then you need to start providing a better service tomorrow. And I can't stress that enough. Your, your service has to be commensurate with the rates that you're charging, or you will maybe have some backlash against that. But most affiliate owners that I know are providing exceptional service and could probably charge 25% uh, more for what they provide. And uh, 
um, and still be providing a high-quality service. It's important for us, I think, to understand our place in the general fitness industry. So historically, yes, you could get a, a membership to a Globo Gym for 20 to $50 a month. And it's important for us to realize that that Globo Gym maybe only services between 10, 12, maybe 15% of the memberships that it charges. On the other end of that spectrum, we have personal training, one-on-one. And it is probably in your city, and this is the point I always try to drive home to affiliate owners that feel like they're asking so much money of people. In your city, there are probably hundreds, if not thousands of people, depending on the size of the, the town you're from, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people paying two to $3,000 a month in personal training services. Those are the clients you want to go after. Really, we need to start thinking about ourselves as providing a high-value, low-cost alternative to personal training, not a really expensive Globo Gym membership. That's the conversation that we need to be having about value. Oftentimes in affiliates, we are asking our clients to pay 9 to $12 an hour for comparable service that somebody else would be, need to pay $75 an hour for. So this is how I would like you to change your mentality on the rates that you charge. Historically, for you to walk into a gym and somebody to know your first and last name, where you work, what your schedule is, what your goals are, what your back squat is, any mobility restrictions that you're working on, any corrective exercises, what type of skills are you trying to learn? Historically, that level of service has cost people $75 an hour, $100 an hour, $125 an hour because it was only available in a personal training setting. Historically, to receive that level of service, people would need to pay $100 an hour to get in the door. You, affiliate owner, are offering that same level of service for $9 to $12 an hour. That's how we need to begin thinking about the service that we provide. It's not an expensive alternative to Planet Fitness. It is a very inexpensive alternative to personal training. You are providing individually tailored programming and scaling options and interactions with your members that they would never be able to receive that level of service for 10 bucks an hour. And that's what you're providing. So if you consider your service on par with that, instead of a really expensive Globo Gym membership, you're now able to frame the conversation and sort of justify these increased rates. Those of you that are members of our hub platform, um, we have a course and a template available to you to know what you need to set your rates at. We have um, you know, a rates and value course that will tell you, it's a spreadsheet, you plug in your numbers with your members, what you charge now, and it will spit out, we recommend this rate that you charge people. We also have some letter templates that you can use to email out your membership and let them know of the rate increase. So if you're in the hub right now, go in there and access it. Trust me, um, you will have great responses from a rate increase Uh, But if you're not a member of the Hub, hub hub.321goproject.com, you get a seven-day free trial. If you want to do a rate increase, you can download that rate template. You can take the rates course, know what you need to set your rates at. 
and cancel before the seven-day free trial is up. Um, there's plenty of great information in there that I think you'd find some value out of. But uh, by all means, hop in there, hub.321goproject.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.